Welcome to Tampering with Sam Amick and Joe Varden. We're joined now by a very special guest to talk about a story that I wrote. Uh, yes, I have uh, contributed as well to the uh, NBA conversation this year and here to talk about it. Because as we've well established, Sam Amick is loafing around on vacation and and just not paying any attention to work whatsoever. So to find his replacement, we went to the Bay Area in San Francisco and found our co-founder, Adam Hansman. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Um, very excited about this. It's kind of the kind of the undercover boss version of the show. So I think it's going to be fun. That's fantastic. Yes. And um, so the way this works for those of you who've been listening is we're trying to run through and talk about some of the the most impactful and influential NBA stories of the year. And there there are many of them. And uh, one of the ones that we had signaled out – that we should probably discuss is is one that I wrote from November, and uh, and so what I have usually been doing is we take the author of the story and I uh, kind of grill them, uh, ask them questions about how they wrote what they wrote and how they found out what they found out and why the story was important then, why it's important now, and we've really enjoyed this producer Jade and I. It's been a it's been a, a super fun project and. Um, and we can't wait to to get started with with Adam here. So, without further ado, we are switching chairs, and uh, it's Adam's mic. Yeah, let's do it. So, uh, let me just start. I'll you know before we get into it, Joe. I'm a big fan of the show. Excited that that you know I think we launched in April, May, sort of right around the the time the playoffs started. So, um, have seen a lot of good things happen with the show. Excited for for year two and beyond. But uh, yeah, I mean it's been a crazy year. We sort of from a company standpoint, you know, historically the athletic strengths were around hockey and baseball and college sports but i think you guys really stepped up uh this past year obviously we put a great great staff together i think we have we've assembled probably the best nba staff in the world am i allowed to say that i think so all right we'll go with that (laughs) uh but but as you said this is kind of the best of uh series we're going to be talking about one of the stories you put out i think it was last november have the story in front of me so this is an undercover boss episode this is a lebron episode so good combo there um, but anyways, let's, let's get into the story, Joe, if you don't mind. Um, you know, so this was, this was one of your sort of bigger stories of the year, both in terms of, you know, new subscriptions, just overall interest the sort of the, you know, the sort of people picking up the story and talking about it kind of throughout the week. Um, but kind of take me back. Let's, uh, you know, so I'll, I'll kick it off. You know, the story was, you know, Cavaliers trading of Kyrie Irving was the beginning of the end for everything was the, was the title of the story that you put out last November and, I think what was was sort of interesting for me to start, you know, so you were kind of trucking along, covering the cows. You know, season had not got off to a, a very good start, but but of course LeBron was coming back for kind of the first game as a member of the Lakers, and you know, so you sort of front ran that that sort of uh, that event with this story. So bring me into it. You know, how did you like sort of the, what are the sort of the basic sort of points? You know, how did you get how did you get LeBron to, to sort of open up about? about the whole situation with Kyrie, and, and then we'll sort of uh, go a little deeper. So I knew, of course, uh, I knew that this was the story we were going to discuss today, but uh, I'm not kidding. Th- throughout the whole series, there hasn't been really a um, – there isn't like a trade where I tell the, the person I'm having, having come on what the questions are going to be. And so I don't really know Adam's questions either, and I, I love that he started – 
in this way kind of mentioning that I was plugging along covering the Cavs because the the result of this story uh, was Adam actually then mentioned to somebody else uh, who works uh, on our Cleveland team, you know, like, hey, yeah, if you see Joe, you should tell him to just go follow LeBron, LeBron around a little bit more because that uh, that seemed to work out pretty well. So uh, that that was the that was kind of the end result of this. Um, I mean, on the athletic side, this was you know this was sort of the beginning of like a, a much broader sort of set of stories you wrote throughout the year. So sort of behind the scenes, this was this was also a big story. Yeah, it, I mean. It, I would say it's probably one of the bigger stories of my career. And, I, you know, I've been doing this since 2002. But but what I wanted to do here uh, with this story was LeBron was coming back to Cleveland for the first time as a Laker. And it was going to be, I think, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So for a month, maybe month and a half leading up to that, um, talking with the editors in Cleveland, but also Sergio Gonzalez, the editor, uh, our, our NBA editor just about what we can do. We, we got to figure out something that we can do to properly introduce LeBron uh, as a Laker to Cleveland and sort of the whole situation. And we came up with two things. One was LeBron has opened a school in, in Akron. Uh, he actually opened a public school. It's paid for in part with, with tax dollars, but he and his charitable foundation have raised, raised money and pumped money into it and also kind of changed the curriculum and how the kids are taught from normal public schools in the state of Ohio. Uh, it's, it's for disadvantaged youths uh, all throughout Akron, and the results have been phenomenal. So what we thought we would do for one thing is, is that I would spend a day at that school and go through all the classes and, and, uh, and just really get a sense of, of what was going on there. And so we did that. But then the other thing was, okay, we, we thought, if I fly out to see him and just sort of re-engage with LeBron after spending four years with him here in Cleveland as the Cavs beat writer for Cleveland.com, um, re-engage with him, reconnect, and over maybe a week of spending time with him both in L.A. and then on the road with the Lakers before they got to Cleveland, that we would come up with something. Didn't know what it would be. So everybody right. signed off on it. All good. And, uh, and so then... Uh, as I started to report and just started to have conversations back around here just about LeBron and the end and, and how he how there was a dynasty here and then all of a sudden there wasn't and he left to go to L.A. And it I was made aware that um, the way they traded Kyrie Irving, the day they did it, there was quite a bit that happened that day. And um, basically, I was I was told that LeBron uh, was on the phone with the Cavs and and the general manager there, um, imploring them not to do the deal moments before Kyrie was traded to Boston. And in fact, uh, according to several people on the phone and in the room at the time, that that LeBron was actually assured by the end of the call that the deal would not be made. And then ten minutes later, it was. So now we knew we had something, and we flew out there, uh, saw him in L.A. And uh, LeBron, you know, hadn't seen me since game four of the 2018 finals. And so we were able to reconnect and uh, he knew I was there for a reason. And um, he wanted to talk that night. It was a Wednesday. He had just scored 40 something against the Blazers. And so we were talking off to the side of his locker and I recounted to him what uh, what I had been told. And he affirmed that that was true. 
um, and and spoke about it at length, and then also said trading Kyrie was the beginning of the end, and uh, in Cleveland. And right there, I mean, I got the goosebumps on my arm. I, I knew we had a big story. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I was wondering too. So you know, obviously read the story when it came out. Didn't exactly sort of have the backstory at the time, but. What was interesting, I guess in my mind, I was wondering, is this was this sort of information that that LeBron wanted to put out sort of unilaterally or was it sort of you kind of, you know, sort of spending time with him, um, kind of coaxing this information out? You sort of had the details reported separately and then he's sort of like, OK, well, you know, this homecoming is is upon us. You know, maybe it's time to go on the record and, and talk about this a little more openly or or was it was it maybe more premeditated on his part? Yeah, that's really good. Um, and it's kind of like the answer kind of weaves in and out of all of those of all of those scenarios, because like, I don't think people realize this. Um, I've learned a lot over the last four years and starting the company, but just, to, you know, sort of the the output of, of reporting of, you know, of, you know, actually writing a story, there's sort of the iceberg beneath the water in terms of you know, the relationships, the sort of the, you know, the amount of time you're spending in a press box and a locker room to establish yourself as somebody credible that, that you know, player of LeBron's caliber will, will open up to, even even when he's sort of left, uh, when you're on, you know, a different beat and he's left town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, to, to back way up, like, from a macro level, um, his time here in Cleveland, there was some kind of bond, I would say, some kind of really strong working relationship developed between myself and him, and also a a couple other members of of the Cleveland area press that spent every day covering the Cavs for for those four years where they went to the finals. Right, and that was uh, someone else that's joined the Athletic, right? So, that's yeah. right, uh, none other than Jason Lloyd, uh, it, it, one of my one of my closest friends, and then and Dave McMenamin as well. Over the you know over that time, uh, major major working relationship developed there, and um, basically LeBron he left to go to L.A. And he was kind of lonely. And, and I don't even think kind of is the right word. Like he was super happy from his from a family perspective. He loves living there, loves it, was really excited to have Lakers on the front of his jersey. The business is going great. Everything's great, except Lakers are playing well, too. <laughs> well, for a, at, for a little while. But but it just it was an odd fit there um, with him and, and all the young guys in the locker room. And so he didn't really know most of the people in the media out there. Uh, Dave went, it was true, but Dave had a kind of a bigger assignment at ESPN, kind of covering the Lakers as a whole. And and so LeBron didn't have the same, like he just didn't feel, like he didn't have the comfort level in L.A. that he did in Cleveland. And so from that perspective, not only the first time I went to go see him in November for this story, but all the subsequent time, subsequent times after you know, I was a familiar face, and that was something that he was looking for. So you are saying LeBron James missed you uh, personally, and <laughs> that is that is absolutely true. Uh, we, uh, you know, listen, we were born at the same hospital. I mean, everybody makes such a big deal about LeBron and Steph Curry both being born in, in the same Akron Akron hospital, but hey, four years before those two guys, I was born there. So let's come on, let's give, you know, let's give credit where it's due, but. Uh, in, in this in this particular case, I, I had I had the information when when I went to see him. I told him how I had the information, and I was sure it was true. And so between this bond, this working relationship that we had had, where he know like he can trust that I will report the the story accurately and fairly, um, 
he's immediately comfortable in talking to me and and giving and giving me the, this information and and you know he, he would have done the same thing with a couple other reporters on this earth but only a couple others there there's right. you know he he doesn't have this relationship that way so okay so we so we have this discussion i know what we have i know it's explosive and in this case, uh, we went back to his people, not to him, uh, because I actually wouldn't see him again for a couple more days due to travel and the Lakers practice schedule, whatever. So we went to his people and said, OK, this is what we have. This is what he said. Um, we allow for the for the possibility that he, j- just in case he didn't really know what he was getting into here, because this this is sensitive material. Are you sure that he wants that he is OK with this? And the guy said, all right, I'll get back to you. And about eh, 26, 27 hours later, um, got the go ahead. So, so yeah, like it was a double down, no questions asked. Like they were okay with, with the information that LeBron gave us for that story. So then the next step was to go to the Cavs and say, this is what we have. So hold on, I'll, I'll stop you there for a sec. What if the answer that came back though was, you know, actually maybe this isn't the right time to kind of go with this. Like as a reporter, as a journalist, sort of what is your, you know, sort of what what is your next step there? I came from political and government journalism before I started on the Cavs beat. So I spent six years covering state and national politics and also govern like Ohio state government, like the governor's office. And, you know, I feel like when you're doing when you're when you are dealing with people's money, like taxpayer money. Um, there's a certain level of accountability that must be had at all times. And so you tend not to give these elected officials a break, right? I mean, they're on our yep. they're on our dime and you know, it's their job to answer the questions and when you get the answer, you go with it. Athletes are different and it's it's much more about everything you print needs to be true and everything everything you're writing needs to be needs to be correct. But it, but in in cases like this, when the story is is sensitive, yes, but is it serious in terms of somebody being hurt or a crime being committed? Of course, of course not. So there's no gotcha here. Nobody was defrauded. Nobody was physically or emotionally wounded. Maybe you could say Cavs fans were by the trading of Kyrie, but you get the point. You want to maintain the relationship, especially with a with an athlete of LeBron's character because any one story is not so important that it's worth, it's worth risking the entire, uh, the, the, the entirety of the relationship. I was actually reading something the other day and I wish I could remember the name of the reporter who does this. And no, you know who it was. It was the author of the book, primary colors, uh, Joe Klein. So anyway, in the afterword of the book, he says one thing that he always did was, if if a source wanted to retract something, Joe always said okay. And while I just said I would not do that if I'm covering government, um, in sports I, I can see that I can I can see it. Right. And so that that actually uh, you don't know about this, boss, but <laughs> that actually happened uh, once or twice this this season right. with LeBron. I mean, there's a thread out there where um, it's sort of the you know the the mindset of no holds barred, you know. Uh, we're not we're not access journalists and and sort of this kind of thing and I, I've picked up on that and um, it's I I don't have a strong point of view I think uh, it's, it's, there's there's just different precedents with respect to sports journalism versus let's say reporting on sort of major 
you know, political issues, like you said, or, or city, city government, things like that versus more, I suppose, the way that things with sports, things within sports are, are kind of somewhat more, you know, kind of pre-negotiated and, and there, there are relationships there and it's sort of a, a practical thing to kind of acknowledge that. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, and, um, you know, so in this, in his case, like we had done that on a couple occasions where he said something that, that would have been good. Um, but then ultimately said, please don't write that. So we didn't, we'll take that offline. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so we did it. Um, he was happy with it. He was happy with, with, with what we were going to say. And so we had to go to the Cavs and, and try to get their comment. Right. And then, so you, yeah, so you circled back. Um, I don't think, I don't think anyone else spoke on the record, but, but there's sort of a different account, uh, accounting of sort of the, the, what, what sort of transpired then that I think that I think was uh, part of the story. So, so everybody knows that in this story, we lay out at the very top, the full scene based on LeBron's account of it and sources who uh, asked not to be named, but were also present for for what transpired and there were numerous there were numerous sources who confirmed that this happened the day they traded Kyrie LeBron was signing autographs for Upper Deck out in Santa Monica and they were the Cavs were trying to get a hold of him to tell him what was what was going on and um, they and and Teron Liu then the coach of the Cavs found out was about to happen and he actually drove out to see LeBron at this Santa Monica thing and put him on the phone with, with, with the Cavs general manager. And so, um, they're, they're on the phone and, and Kobe's telling them what's going on and what they're going to do. And LeBron does not want him traded to the Celtics. Just doesn't want it. Right. And, and so by the end of the call, according to LeBron and according to the people that were there, um, LeBron was told that they wouldn't do it. Okay, we're not going to do it. And then ten minutes later, the deal happened. The story also, as I said, goes on to like with LeBron quoting the impact that trading Kyrie had on the Cavs and had on the fall of their dynasty, and and sort of why it upset him so much. And we can get into that, and we can also kind of get into the I don't want to say hypocrisy, but it, LeBron had a checkered relationship with Kyrie and the fact that Kyrie ended up getting traded. So, whatever. So we go to the Cavs with this, and they say okay. Uh, we'll get right back to you. And, and with, within a very short amount of time, um, had a discussion with uh, a couple members uh, of of their front office. Um, but they asked not to be named. Uh, they, no one would go on the record uh, for f- to be quoted on anything. They The call was um, a, quote, background call, which means they were going to give us their account of what happened. But they would not be quoted by name. Uh, on any of it and so uh, said okay but but you have to weigh that information differently versus people who are in this case lebron willing to give their name next to the information right so we went through it um they denied that this happened um they, they said that wasn't the case uh they wanted to stress that lebron was pretty much the reason that Kyrie wanted out and um that that LeBron wasn't forceful about not trading Kyrie at least up until that point that that you know because everything was kind of twisting in the wind for a month and LeBron was kind of just hands off because he was mad at Kyrie and and so and they also wanted to stress that they traded Kyrie because they thought that um, 
trading him then in the summer of 2017, he could get they could get the highest return for him. So they wanted all that in there, but again, they wouldn't put their name next to it. So now we have a decision to make, and the decision's easy. Um, you you give preference to the to the person who's willing to put their name next to it, which is what we did. We right. did outline the Cavs' unnamed arguments, but it was down in the story. I think we kind of buried the lead on on literally on one of the questions I wanted to ask you, or just sort of uh, sort of give you a second to to comment on was the the lead of the story. So so you you sort of mentioned it a second ago, but. You know, LeBron is is signing jerseys for Upper Deck somewhere in, in Santa Monica when this phone call comes in. And, you know, obviously, of course, a year later, he fast forward, he's he's playing in, in L.A., which is um, which is where you talk to him. So comment on that sort of, you know, kind of what went into how did you, you know, how, how much did you agonize over this lead or was it just sort of like such an obvious one and it sort of just just came out? So. Uh- I mean, you're definitely looking to, in, in a story like this, you're looking to grab the reader's attention immediately. And, and you have um, you have a possibility with the information that you have to, to write what we call a scene setter. And, it's, and you can kind of immediately build suspense. So in the first sentence, we're saying the day the Cavs agreed to trade Kyrie Irving. So any NBA fan knows that this is one of the most pivotal moments in franchise history involving arguably the best player of all time in LeBron and certainly one of the best players of the era and a very key member of the, of the Cavs championship team in Kyrie. So right away we have your attention, but we know, we kind of know the details of, of, of this. We know that you've got a coach in the car driving furiously, uh, you know, dodging it, uh, LA traffic to get out to Santa Monica and handing him the phone. And, um, you, you know, the readers kind of like, what, what is it that's going to happen next? So it's like, it's, it's a way to kind of put you on the edge of your seat, um, with, with the facts that you have. So, um, I, I think I knew pretty quickly that this is what we wanted to do, that this was the this was the way that we wanted to get into the story, because the story itself is 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 really deep and it's really long um, and it kind of lays out all the stuff that happened, you know, why Kyrie left, how he pushed his way out of Cleveland, how much LeBron had to do with that. The fact that LeBron ended up leaving for L.A. anyway a year later and sort of where he was in his life at that time. So there's, we get into all that, but some of that stuff, everybody knows. And the, the parts that we had that were new, which was LeBron talking about this being the beginning of the end for the Cavs. Well, we wanted the reader to see what that was like. What did it look like the moment of impact for the beginning of the end of the Cavs? And well, here it was LeBron behind a desk, pen in his hand, phone against his ear, signing his name to these things. And it's pretty, pretty, pretty incredible um, Im- imagery. Like, I, I'm, I'm so glad I'm so glad they would share the story with us. Well, I'm glad they did, too. Uh, obviously, I mentioned at the outset the, the sort of impact this had on, on on the business, this 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 one story. I'm even I'm scrolling now down into the comment section, I guess, a couple of last questions for you, Joe. What anything surprised you in terms of reader reaction or sentiment sort of once this came out? I'm seeing comments like, Dan Gilbert dropped the ball once again, or uh, folks, you know, sort of casting blame back towards LeBron, or this is why I subscribe to the Athletic, which is always my my personal favorite comment. So, um, when you're talking about something like this, like you're talking about a Cavs organization that I still had to deal with every day, and so you are concerned about the impact, and 
Um, then when you see fan and reader reaction like that, it makes you feel good. It, it certainly makes you feel better. It certainly, you know, alleviates some of the concern just to know um, how well received this was. I mean, I know, you know, we don't like to talk business too much, but but this story did very well for us um, from a from an athletic business perspective. We have what's called the uh, the home run story, right? The uh, I think this one was maybe technically grand slam, but but stories that that bring over a certain number of subscribers, and this one was. I think it hit that in, in probably 12 hours. Yeah, it, it actually it, it was a, a slam uh, actually twice over. I <laughs> so, so I really love that. And, and I did love I love the um, just just sort of the not only the reader reaction within the comments, which were which were good, but then just the the way it was received across the NBA. Um, it, it made you feel good. And and it also it like to kind of circle like bring this full circle. The story ran, I think, about a week after the LeBron school story ran. And in that story, the comments were so heartfelt and so like, yeah, this is about more than basketball. This is bigger than basketball. This is why we were subscribed to The Athletic. What he's what LeBron's doing is so important. Thank you for telling this story. And so it was it was cool to be able to tell that story, the school story, sort of the socioeconomic impact that LeBron was still making in his hometown of Akron, followed up with this very meaty basketball only sort of gripping tale of the beginning of the end in Cleveland. Um, it, it was a it was it was a good, satisfying week for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for thanks for sharing. Uh, I think uh, well, maybe a little teaser. You're going to be doing uh probably some more uh, LeBron-focused stories, some national stuff coming up in the in the next season, so we'll have to hash that out. But uh, uh, this was really good. I guess last question, Joe, and we'll close it out. Um, you know, why, why will this story be, you know, still important a year from now? Like, do you expect further details to come out sort of chronicling all of this history or, or even just, you know, this story in particular? Why do you think this will still be important a year from now? I think it's, I think it's twofold. You have LeBron and you have the Cavs. And as you mentioned, at the time we wrote this, the Lakers were fine. Well, we also know what happened after that. They totally fell apart. And when LeBron, uh, when he left Cleveland, his legacy was intact. He had won a title. He had brought the franchise to four straight finals. His his performance in 2018 was exemplary. He did everything that he said he would do in more and sort of the attitude about him leaving the town again was far different. His legacy was cemented. So then he goes to L.A. and he has one of the worst seasons of his career. He gets hurt. He misses more games than he's ever, ever missed. The team actually fails to make the playoffs, which is the first time that happened to him since I think like 2005. And while his legacy may or may not have been tarnished by that, if things don't get better for the Lakers, the ending to his career is going to read a lot differently than it would have had he stayed in Cleveland, where he would have been a hero forever. And he certainly would have gotten the team to the playoffs over the next couple of years, maybe back to another finals. You never know. Maybe you can win one. Who knows? And he chose to leave that. And so you got to be able to trace back uh, to, to sort of the point where that happened. And LeBron tells you in the story, hey, Kyrie leaving was the beginning of the end for all of us. Now, you can believe that or not, but that's what he says. Then you have the Cavs. The Cavs are in the middle of a lengthy, arduous rebuild. It's going to be hard for them, and they know that. 
and you know they may not be good two or three years from now. They're coming off one of the worst seasons in, in franchise history, and they still may not be very good, like I said, in a couple of years. And so you want to know, you want to be able to go back and see, well, the people who are responsible for building this team now, what happened to them when their dynasty fell apart? And you can see this is like this is all within the first like month, basically, of of Kobe Altman's job as general manager of the Cavs. Now, he's done a bunch of things, many of them good since then. But but that was the, one of the first things he did as, as general manager. And so it's just it's it's like a it's a point in history that you'll be able to trace back when you're a couple years from now and you've forgotten that the Cavs were ever good. And, and you're thinking, well, what what happened to them? And I. And, the story lays it out. It's excellent. And and then we also had, I think, kind of the well, maybe this will be part two when when Kyrie calls LeBron as he's eating pizza with Kevin Love somewhere else in LA and and sort of making amends. But uh did you know, Joe, I'm married into a Lakers family. So I uh I, I have a personal vested interest here in uh I guess the next the next sort of phase for LeBron. Uh should be fun. It should be. They are um you know, they, they've got their guy. They've got their other guy now with Anthony Davis. The other guy. And, and the other guy. Yeah, the other guy, the, the younger guy. And, and yeah, I think, it, you know, the thing that LeBron always used to say when he was in Cleveland, and this used to drive Cleveland fans nuts, but he would always say that, that the NBA is better when the Lakers are good and the Knicks are good. And there's the Knicks aren't going to be good for a while still. But everybody thinking that LeBron going to L.A. was going to make them good. And in fact, that didn't happen. And by the way, as a sort of a native Midwesterner, I hate that. I hate that thread. But I guess, you know, we can, you know, I can sort of rationalize it now because we see when the when the Warriors are good, when the Lakers are good, business is good, too. So I guess I'm I guess I'm conflicted. But anyways, uh, this was fun. Thanks, Joe. I had fun, uh, more fun than I thought anyways, when you uh, dragged me into this uh, unwittingly. And, and uh, anyways, thanks to uh, all the uh, over 500,000 subscribers we're now saying. So that's that's fun to say. Um, and uh, this story was a big part of it. So, so thanks to the listeners. And I think that's a wrap. Thanks.